On the latest episode of the Game Time Guru podcast, we heard from Boone Bartlemay, who shared his story of what it was like to suffer a drastic injury in a state football playoff game in 2013 for CUNA High School. Today, we hear from the man who was coaching him, Coach Lee Leslie. We get to hear this whole entire thing from the coach's perspective, what it was like and how it impacted Coach Leslie's career. And we're also going to hear some amazing words of advice for coaches and fathers. You don't want to miss this special edition episode of the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Boo! If you're sick of the mainstream sports outlets, well, so was I. So I started my own show. I'm Shane Larson, and this is the Game Time Guru. It's different than other talk shows. I'm providing a panoramic view on sports so you can see them through a different lens. So buckle up, and let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome back out to the Game Time Guru podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson. And today we have a bonus episode. It's going to be a follow-up, but it's a special edition of the Game Time Guru because the guest that I'm bringing on has a loaded resume as a coach, a head football coach. He's been coaching since the 80s, and he is known for having the magic touch, turning programs around. And he has a special tie to our latest guest, Boone Bartlemay, and we're going to be sharing his experience as a coach, as well as sharing his side of the story and uh, give a little bit more insight to Boone's story that he just shared with us last Friday. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome on to the show, Mr. Lee Leslie. We call him Coach Lee Leslie. So Coach, thank you so much for joining the Game Time Guru podcast. My pleasure, Shane. So just to give everybody a little bit of insight, I told you before, Coach Leslie has the magic touch. I've been following this man for probably the last 10 years now. It's 2020, so yeah, it's going on 10 years now. Following his career here in the Valley of Idaho, but he has coached elsewhere. Uh, He's got a loaded resume. So Coach, if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about your background, when you started coaching, and you know why you decided you wanted to get into football and and actually be a a football coach. Well, first of all, you know, I, I, I was born in Great Falls, Montana. My mom and dad ran away and got married at 14 and 16. And they lied about their age, got married up in Haver, Montana. And they had my brother and then my sister and then me in consecutive years. And my mom passed away giving birth to me at 17. And my dad just could not deal with it. So we ended up at four. I was four. Susie was five. Danny was six. We ended up in the St. Thomas Orphanage in Great Falls for three years before the courts finally let my maternal grandparents adopt us. Once those folks adopted us, you know, our life kind of took off. We were two years in Great Falls, Montana, and then we were uh, Benicia, California by San Francisco. And that's really where my athleticism, you know, my brother and I really took off in athletics. And really our dad, my grandpa was always working, and, and our dad, our father figures were always our coaches. And I love my football coach, Mike Clemens. Uh, and my younger football coach, Jim Garrett, those guys really, really helped me when I was a young man. They saw some talent in me and saw some drive, and they had influenced me so much that after I broke my leg in college, uh, I just decided that I was going to try and pass that on, the blessings that those guys gave to me. So I was lucky enough right out of college in 1985 to be a head coach at at, uh, Twilla High School and coached there for 10 years and then went to Hillcrest High School in Salt Lake for eight years. And then I coached at University of Utah for two years, um, basically as a grad assistant the first year and then full-time. 
And then I just, I really had a hard time with it because I was away from my kids so much in there. Uh, Kenny was a, my oldest son was a freshman and I missed all of his games that year because I was coaching at Utah and I just, I just decided at that point I'm going to go back. And I was lucky enough to coach and win uh, championships with all three of my boys. Uh, and that was, that was the best move I'd ever made. And then I went up in the arena uh, football after, after Utah. I was coaching back at Tooele, coaching my boys, and I also took the Utah Warriors in the National Indoor Football League. And uh, a couple of years before that, when I was at Hillcrest, I played quarterback for the Utah Cats in the Professional Indoor Football League. And so at 36 years old, I was playing quarterback again, and, and uh, my high school team was watching me play. And there was a, there was an earth moving moment. The coach, we we played the Texas Bullets, and the first six balls that left my hand were touchdowns. The Tyler Tyler Anderson from BYU and and uh, Greg Hooks from Utah. I had a lot of good kids I could throw the ball to. The second half, I threw one, and it was a pick six the other way. And the head coach dropped an f bomb on me and started screaming at me. And I'd already been a head coach for 15 years. And I stopped there to myself and thought, do I drop this guy or do I take it? You know, I, I just it was just an earth-moving moment. And I thought, do I do this crap? Do I do this crap to kids? Do I scream at them when they do bad and then slobber all over them when they do good? And it changed me. I mean, I changed on a dime in that moment of my philosophy of how to treat people. And I, it just escalated from there. Twilla, Twilla was a down program. We went to the semis for the first time in 39 years, and we got it in the playoffs so every year but one at Hillcrest. And then I took the Utah Warriors, and we had Danny Regzel, a quarterback, and, and had, had two great seasons there. We played in the national championship and lost it uh, to runner-up. Uh, we were runner-up national champion. And then um, it turned into the blaze, uh, John Garf, came in and bought our program and turned us from the Utah Warriors into the Utah Blaze. And he asked me, he goes, we want you as our head coach, but the league wants Danny White as the head coach. He's, he's an LDS guy and he lives, his daughter lives out here in Utah. So they mailed me down. They flew me down to Danny's and I stayed at Danny's house for a weekend and we went and golf and got to know him. And I said, yeah, hire him. He's Danny White, for heaven's sake, he's going to sell more tickets than I. So we had a good couple of years, and then Boise just made me an offer I couldn't refuse, and I came out and started the Boise Burn. And then the league basically shut down, and I was sitting there going, "What? If, I have nothing left to do. My boys are raised. My daughter's raised. You know, we've won state championship. Actually, my youngest son hadn't yet. He was still there. And so Bishop Kelly opened up, and I'm an LDS guy put in for a Catholic high school, and lo and behold, they hire us, and and uh, we win a state championship. We should have had two state championships, but so that was my third son winning one. And then I, and then I went to work for Sensi um, as kind of a personal trainer for the whole company. And then CUNA came talking, and I went back to education so I would get a good retirement. And that's when I met Boone. And that's that's kind of when where this story starts. So I'll let you ask me some questions, and then I'll kind of get into it. 
Man, there's there's a lot to digest right there. You've had such an awesome career just hearing your, your story coming up, uh, not only from a coaching perspective, but from playing and then talking about your three your three state championships with you know three sons. I mean, that's probably you probably have a lot of good conversations at the dinner table as well. Like just being able to chat about football and the experiences and that I'm sure they're, you know, blessed and thankful that they had a dad that they got to, you know, learn from and play under. That's awesome. Um, it's just, it's super cool to hear that. Now, when you mentioned that you've taken these programs over as well, coach, and you've been able to kind of, you, you, you've been able to flip them around completely. And it's not one thing that I, I mentioned to Boone in my interview with him as well as like, you've done it with every school. It's like, you don't, it doesn't take long. Um, when some people come in to do a rebuild, so to speak, a lot of times it takes, you know, two or three years until they get their quote unquote system, their players for their system. You see that happen all the time in different, different programs. They, the coach comes in with a new system, but they need to have their players coming in there to run their system. So it takes two or three years for their program to really get launched. What I've noticed with you coach is anytime you go to a program, the, the rebuild or if you will, is completely immediate. Like it's, it's instant. And so I'm just curious if there's like a specific secret. You mentioned that aha moment basically that uh, you had when the coach was yelling at you. Is there something that you do specifically in your philosophy that allows you to get through to these kids, these young kids, uh, to, to really just flip them around so quickly? Like what's, what's something special about your philosophy that, uh, that you feel is like different from, you know, stands out from the others? You know, very good questions. It starts with being a father first of my boys. I mean, they're they're my best friends. We're inseparable, all of us. We hang out all the time. Our Sunday nights are all their families are with my with my wife and I all the time, and we've kind of earned that along the way. But my philosophy is no days off except for Sundays. So we don't take days off. I mean, you're in the weight room. You're you are doing everything you can do to be a better athlete. You're running hills. You're selling out. You're doing everything you can do. It's interesting, Shane. I I took a ma- another master's degree at Concordia two years ago, and it was in coaching philosophies and, and uh, athletic administration. And they had me guest speak at the end to a bunch of coaches, and I didn't talk any X's and O's. I talked this language. I said, how many of you are unhappy with your practice days? How many of you are unhappy with your players during practice during the week? How many of you categorize them as sissies or, you know, slang words because they don't give you 110% effort? And and I said, how often are you yelling at these kids and, and, and tearing down? And, and are you a good enough psychiatrist to build them back up after you tear them down so far? And what it came down to is I started paying attention a long time ago to calories what am I getting when school's out every day? Okay, why are the colleges when you go go to a weight room and you see the the shakes and the and the bars and the and the, the protein and everything? You know, USC has an unbelievable setup. But I went around to all of those and I started doing it in high school. And everybody that lives in my weight room, boy or girl, they don't leave without drinking a protein shake. I have six blenders firing all the time. I have. Uh, I have different meals after after every practice, three at least three practices a week. We have bull pork sandwiches or we have some sort of a barbecue waiting on the guys afterwards. I'm trying to do everything I can for them to know that I'm going to sell out and do everything I can so that they can sell out and do everything they can. And 
they're not giving me a good effort if they don't, if they're in big need of calories. And school lunch is not going to cover an athlete, you know. And the guy that has a girlfriend's out eating a Snicker bar and drinking a Pepsi. So as a coach, I started paying attention to the the individual. And a lot of times you have a lot of individuals, but once you start paying attention to that and seeing how you can build each one of them, and it's a job. You don't take days off. It's a job. Sometimes you invite yourself to their homes. You sit down with their parents and ask them what they're eating. And, and, and once I start doing that, they know we're all in. And, and it's a, we, we all know we're going to the fight together and we're all going to battle. And, you know, there's not going to be any finger pointing at the end of it. We're going to do the best we can, and then we're going to move on. And that's really seemed to work for me over the years. Um, I've got a loud coach's voice, but I don't, you know, I don't mother F the kids or tear them down or do any of that crap. And I've had some good role models along the way. I, you know, Kyle Whittingham was a, the D coordinator at Utah when I was there. And Kyle, Kyle's one of the best coaches I've ever been around. But I've also had the opportunity, you know, Jerry Montgomery is the defensive line coach for, for the Green Bay Packers now. And he played for me in high school at Hillcrest. And, I could go on and on about the kids that have gone on to be success stories. And I use a lot of those guys. I bring them back to talk to kids and try and use those role models. Because I was in such need of role models when I was growing up. I could have went south quickly with my temper and everything else. But football coaches saved me, and, and I, I turned that over to others. I find this this whole story super, super interesting. Just just hearing you talk about like just the the simple yet – super important aspect of nutrition like just getting calories like i've had this discussion with multiple people before about the importance of like when when you get into the high school realm of, of football and your body starts to grow and that's when these athletes start hitting the weight room we've never really touched base on the importance of recovery right we we see like the programs that have like the hardcore lifting programs i think about my school as well it was very we were very focused on uh on weightlifting but as far as like recovery is concerned out like outside of just taking an ice bath, we didn't really have anything like was sitting there waiting for us. So the fact that you've actually taken the initiative to truly go in there and and make that an effort to get these kids to be able to recover and grow with their you know you're putting them through the weight room and you're doing your part to make sure that they're they're being fed right. That is super interesting and super important because not only that for now it's it's setting the foundation for them later. If those if these if these student athletes want to continue to compete at the next level. I mean, nutrition is key. I, I spoke with Jerry Stackhouse. I talked to all these guys that are in, in the highest level of competition. And one of the biggest things they mentioned is like recovery. The way that you, the way that you compete at such a high level when you get older is you've got to make sure you're you know, putting the right things into your body. The fact that you're doing that now is setting the foundation for them later. I thought that was awesome. And then just to hear, you, know, you mentioned the, the role models and the, the different, uh, different athletes you've coached. You know, uh, your son had put together a video for you and he shared that with me. I thought it was super cool hearing – I mean, when you guys are listening to this interview right now, all of you guys, understand that, like, Coach Leslie right here, he uh, <laughs> he has a lot of athletes throughout his career that have, like, seriously look up to him. And I saw this video that your son put together, uh, former athletes of yours, former players of yours that came back just to say what kind of, like, their favorite memories of you. Super inspiring. So, like, it's obvious that what you've done – works because it's not only helping them in their sports life it's helping them in their regular life so you've made a huge influence on them and I think that's so so awesome now we talk about Boone Bart LeMay right and and he was the the athlete at CUNA high school and we had him on the last episode of the of the game time guru podcast talking about his injury that he suffered 
at CUNA after coming back to play football. And you had mentioned to me you wanted to share a little bit more perspective on that from your side of things and, and, uh, and you know, share your side of the story for Boone. So we'll take this as an opportunity, Coach, for you to kind of enlighten us a little bit more from your perspective because, guys, Boone shared his story, super inspirational, super motivational. Like, it gives you a lot of perspective on life. But now we get to hear from the coach that was coaching him that season at CUNA High School uh, when the, the injury happened during that whole season. And, yeah, I'll let you have the floor here, Coach, and kind of enlighten us a little bit more. I guess the first thing every these I hope there's coaches listening because I only talked about this twice publicly. Once was down at Concordia, and then now, um, man, if you're ever the guy that says, "Well, I've been doing this for 20 years. I'm not going to change now," you're an idiot. You have to always be willing to change. You have to always be willing to improve. You have to always be willing to say I was wrong if I was wrong. And you have to be able to be humble enough if you were right to be right. And there were different defining moments in my career and with kids and with grown men in the arena league where it changed. It changed my philosophy. I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this different. I'm going to change this direction and jig it a little bit to the right and, and start this way. And each time you have an experience, you, you have an opportunity to be better. And so, so when I started, there's three different things you look at when you're coaching, building relationships with each individual, making sure they're getting the nutrition they need to be the best they can be mentally and physically, and then get them in the weight room and make sure they don't get hurt, make sure there's no serious injury. And, I, you know, I get into these schools. I won't even let kids do a regular squat. I'll let them do a front squat, but I won't let them do a regular squat for a year and a half until I know – their flexors are right. Their core is strong. You know, I've got knee-up uh, bars where they're doing knee-ups, and I invented this thing called bear bars where we take the bars out on the grass uh, with 45s on it, and we push the bars for 100 yards to get those flexors strong. And then I let them start doing the heavier lifts. So getting kids strong is my job so that we can be the best we can be and not have injury. So when I go to CUNA, you know, I don't take over a good job. It, it's a job that it had, you know, had not very much success in the last previous six or seven years. So I've got to change the, the whole deal again. I've got to make sure that kids are buying into everything I'm doing. I activated a lot of parents so that during break at 10 o'clock every morning, we had peanut butter sandwiches. I went to the store and asked them if I could have all their day-old eggs and dairy, and we were hard-boiling 150 eggs a day, and we just we just made a kitchen for kids to come and eat, and they didn't even have to be football players. We just did it, and it just it just skyrocketed in the school. Well, they had 40 kids in the program when I left CUNA. There was 144 kids in the program, but I will tell you, I would give my life if there was 143, because I saw Boone walking down the, the hallway one day like I always do. You know, I'm building these programs. Ilker, or, uh, this small school up here, McCall, had 17 kids when I got here. We have 77 now. And we played for a state championship this year after they had the longest losing streak in the state. So building relationships and getting these kids out and getting them strong, those are what kids love. They, they just latch on to you. Boone was a rodeo guy that I found out was a runner in track because his girlfriend was out there. So he went out, pulled his boots off, and broke the school record on his first jump, a long jump. And 
just an unbelievable kid. So I'm I'm riding him down the hall. You got to come play wide receiver, you know. And I I just it, it was something that I've come to regret uh, to this moment. And I have to be fair to myself, but but I haven't been because he came out. He was he was a great kid. He was a jokester. He he lightened the load. He was a starter on both offensive defense in a four A school. And we're playing my old school, Bishop Kelly. And I see a kid down. And I start to walk out there. And as I'm walking, you know, I've got a lot of years under my belt. I've seen a lot of kids get banged up a little bit on the field. But as I'm walking, this kid's laying in an angle that I know something's wrong. So I start to jog out there. I don't know who it is. And then I see number two on the jersey. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Boom. And I kneeled down, and I looked right in his big blue eyes, and I said, you all right, buddy? And he just calmly said, I don't think so, coach. I don't feel like I've hit the ground yet. And immediately my trainer, Kip, I kind of motioned at him. He looked at me, and, and he laid on his belly, put his hands on both ear holes of that helmet, and didn't move for probably 45 minutes. Ambulance came out. I see his mom rushing down on the field. I've got to run to her. Um, his parents were about, were stoic as anybody I've ever seen. And everybody knew it was bad on both sides. So we got him in the ambulance. It took about 45 minutes. And we got him out of there, and Kip went with them. We go into halftime. I'm talking to the kids. We're all pretty solemn. You know, a lot of coaches say, I love my players, man. I love them. And more, more than not, players or coaches love their players when they're winning. They don't love them so much when they're losing. And they, players get the same way. They love each other when they're winning, but they don't love each other so much when they lose. And that's what you have to beat. That's what you have to overcome. You've got to teach them how to love each other regardless. And you got to teach yourself how to love them like you love your own sons. And once you do that, you know that you've mastered, you know, your job and your ambition in life, and you know you're making a difference and you're giving service like you're supposed to. So we come out second half, and, and I've always been a motivator. I've got kids going. I don't have much going on. I've, I've got a chink in my armor that I've built over the years, and I didn't recognize it. And I'm calling an offensive play, and all of a sudden I feel two arms wrap around me and hug me. And I try to turn my head to the side, pull off my headphones, and Kip's back. He says, Coach, it's not good news. He broke his neck. And I said, how bad? He said, he's a quad. So I walked. I walked straight out on the field of white hat. And I said, I want a running clock. I want this game to be over. It's a playoff game. We're going to give Bishop Kelly the win. We need to get out of here. He went over and grabbed Tim Brennan. Tim Brennan came out. He agreed. We had a big prayer out in the middle of the field for Boone. And uh, got the game over with. We headed to the hospital. 
I stayed there for three days. I slept out in my car. Then I went back to the school and held a meeting with all the parents and the kids one night, and we had a doctor there, and we were explaining everything about his injury. And So then I went back to the hospital, and Chris Peterson, who I love, I, I don't want to coach college ball anymore, but I would coach for Chris Peterson. I think he's one of the best men in the world as just even a man, let alone a coach. And he came to see Boone and visit with me, and Boone kind of moved his finger, and we we both just kind of jumped. And we had a, a real good good moment there. His parents were there. And then Chris left. And I'll never forget this as long as I live, Shane. They bundled him up. They bundled Boone up. They wrapped him up, wrapped his face up, and they put him on a helicopter to take him to Colorado. And his parents got in there, and the look on their face, the look on Boone's face, I'll never forget it. And they they flew off, and I just sat there alone in his hospital. I went back to his hospital room and just sat down. And, you know, obviously I'm, I'm emotional about it, but it's for a reason, and that's why I want to tell the story. I just sat there and bawled like a baby. All of the all of the years of building up kids and building up myself and puffing my chest out and thinking I'm this great football coach and this great leader and this great communicator and this great motivator. It all pelled in it all it all didn't matter because I bought hundred and forty three kids back from a playoff game instead of hundred and forty four. And that last kid did not return from November 8th until the end of February. And we had a big homecoming celebration for him, but I couldn't help him. And, I, you know, when you're a head coach, you're in charge of everything. And I could not help that kid. And every time I talk to him, I say, how's everything feeling? How do you feel? Is anything moving? Are You, you know, I, I couldn't ask him a good question. So... I got sick, and I went to a doctor, and I was grinding so hard at night that I broke all the teeth up in the roots of my mouth. So I had to get implants in there, and, and I went to a counselor for the first time in my life. I, I figured out I was incredibly arrogant because I never thought I needed anybody's help other than a football coach from time to time. But, you know, that guy just told me, he said, look, you got to leave him alone. you got to back off. you got to stop asking him questions. you got to stop trying to change everything, and you got to let Boone go through the process. And it was the hardest thing that I've ever learned in my life is to back off and let a kid go through the pain that he had to go through. And right in the middle of it, I knew I was done coaching. There was no way I was going to be able to coach. It, it was I – I had no control over my emotions for the first time in my life. And all of a sudden – uh, Maki came up to from the, from the Steelers called and said, hey, my high school needs a coach. They've been bringing your name up. And I ended up going to Hawaii for a year to be the head coach at Kahuku. And I was running. I ran away from something that I personally couldn't handle because I couldn't change Boone's situation. And I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do anything. So the reason I tell this story to coaches 
Next time you're out there laying kids on their back and blowing a whistle and having them get up and ram into each other head first as hard as you can, and you haven't been smart enough to make sure they have air in their helmets or make sure their shoulder pads aren't cinched down into the right size so they don't break the collarbone, the next time you call a kid a pussy because he doesn't want to get in bull in the wing and, and knock heads with 27 kids in a row, the next time you're not paying attention to a senior striking a sophomore in a practice and knocking him out, those are the things you have to think about. They have to be first and foremost before you can ever call yourself a football coach. You have to be that guy. Because what I experienced, and I sat down with a guy from the state of Idaho, and he took me through a grilling session of, did you teach the kids how to hit? Did you have the posters posted on the helmets uh, being potential. I had to go through all of it, and he was emotional at the end of it, and he said, Lee, because you were able to cover all these bases, this kid's going to get catastrophic insurance that will pay for everything that he went through. And I was so grateful that I had been a coach long enough to where I was dotting on my I's and crossing all my T's to where that kid was going to be okay. Um, so, so there's so much responsibility, so much more responsibility than people think, you know, and trying to win is so, so secondary to trying to make sure kids are safe and that they're doing what they're supposed to. And Shane, I bought tackling wheels. I don't tackle. And Bill Walsh is one of my favorite coaches. I, I, I went to a lot of things he was doing and talking about. I went to Lou Holt. I sat on the front row with so many coaches when I was a young coach. And we tackle tackling wheels. We don't even tackle each other all year. We don't tackle each other. We only tackle during the games, but we tackle tackle wheels like they're going out of style, and we make sure that the head's up and everything's set. We have seven shutouts this year in 11 games, seven defensive shutouts. So you don't need to get out there banging kids five and six times a week. And that's one of the biggest messages I want to get out. Boom situation. That was, a, that was a choice from God, in my opinion. He had come down to help us on a crack toss. He was going to block a guy. He tripped over somebody's feet. He went into my fullback's thigh, and it just pushed his head back up, and he was, he was done. He was laying there hurt. But I'm grateful that I had a counselor to tell me to get out of the way because I've watched him. I've checked him every day on Facebook. I've made sure that I know everything that's going on through other people, and I'll try and check on them about once a month so that I'm not overbearing or I'm not saying or asking things I shouldn't ask. But I know you've seen it. What he's doing right now, what he's doing on in the weight room, and what he's doing. I've, I've, I've sent emails and letters to Ellen, man. I want him on the Ellen show so bad so that he can get out in the world because Boone has such a message and such a, a physical prowess that he can share now with what he's pulling off, being a quadriplegic and doing squats in a weight room and bench pressing 135 pounds and being upbeat. And he's, he's, he's one of the finest people, if not the finest person I've ever met in my life. And I'm so proud of him, and I'm proud to say I love him, and, and it's been validated that I did, in fact, love him because it just destroyed me when he got hurt. You know, Coach, I really, really appreciate you sharing all that with us because it gives us a whole nother perspective, especially the coaches out there that are listening to this right now. 
you need to take into consideration everything that Coach Leslie just mentioned. Um, in regards to this entire situation, I mean, Coach, you're one of those guys. You you said it yourself. Like you don't believe in any days off, but Sunday you're putting in work in the weight room. You're putting in work all day long. You're you're getting them the right nutrition, but you're also aware of the little things like the tackling wheels. What like is people think that you can't see success that way? Obviously, you've completely shown that that's all to the contrary because you have seen success. You've turned around every single program, and you're. And now, post injury of like post Boone's injury, you've seen success at the the schools you've gone to and the current school you were at. As you said, they had a 19 game losing streak, you know, and you you've you know added this into your repertoire, you know, for coaching and 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 your resume continues to build because the process continues to go forward and people start to see success. It it doesn't change. So guys, if you're listening to this, see how coach has been able to learn from these situations, this particular situation in general, or sorry, specifically because he hadn't experienced that before, right? Coach hadn't experienced that before. This one was pretty drastic. But like you said, Coach, you got to understand, like you got to admit when you're wrong, you got to be able to also be humble when you're right. You got to be able to to learn and continue to change um, and adjust as necessary. You never know it all. And for you, that meant, you know, having to, to go seek professional help and understand that you had to let him get out of his way. And like you said, as we see – Boone in his last interview with me, I said the same thing. I want him on like Sports Center's E60. I need him on there because I think he's got such an inspirational story to share. But you can see what he's doing, and um, I can only imagine just based on the the story you were telling. I can only imagine what it's like from from your perspective as a coach. I I don't want to put myself in that position, but that's why I'm like super grateful that you joined the show to share your your side of things because that's very difficult for people to open up about and, and someone in your position. I think. It's very, very difficult. So I just really appreciate you sharing that. And the coaches around here, like I said, you need to take note. I hope you have a notepad out right now and just are writing this stuff down because these are golden nuggets that you're going to need. You might not experience it for a long time because, again, for Coach Leslie, it wasn't until later in his career um, from coaching that he experienced this particular situation. But uh, it's better to be prepared now and make sure you take the precautions so you don't have to deal with that. And if you do deal with it, you know what to do. Uh, when you get to that point, if it ever does happen, hopefully not. You know, one one more step further on that to every father out there. there there's no days off. You don't. Just because you had a hard day, that doesn't mean you can't come home and, and do things with your kids and pay attention to what's going on. There's no days off. You, you've taken the responsibility to be a grown man and to be a husband and a wife or a a husband to a good wife and a, and a coach and all those different things. You know, kids need so much help right now, and parents need to understand that they've got to keep renewing their relationships with their kids. I, I, I wouldn't let my teenager take a phone to bed for nothing. Not that I don't trust him, but only because I've only got 17 to 18 years of their life to influence them. I, I would ask them, to put their phone on my bed at nine o'clock every night and they can take it when they go back to school in the morning. You know, my boys, they'll tell you this story. They go out, you know, they were allowed to go out on dates and do things and, and, and be their own men, but they also had to come home and kiss me goodnight. And they knew that it wasn't an, it wasn't an option to step over the line with drugs or alcohol or any of that, because I was always paying attention. And 
I don't know why I didn't do a lot of that stuff because I really didn't have anybody that I would get in trouble with. But I'll never forget what my grandma told me. And I had two grandmothers who basically raised me from my dad's mom and my mom's mom. But having a mom die the day you're born, you know, I'll never forget what they said. They said, you have a guardian angel that's watching you all the time. And that helped me. I mean, that gave me that intrinsic motivation to do things the way I was supposed to. So the natural, and I'm obviously human, I'm going to make mistakes, but the natural ambition to be a coach and to pass those kind of things on to kids was the biggest blessing in my life. And it didn't matter if it was at University of Utah or McCall, Idaho. You know, as long as you have a chance to influence youth, you got to understand that it's it's a huge opportunity and you don't take any days off. You're always there no matter what. I really appreciate that, Coach. And the insight you've given during this interview has been phenomenal. It's like I'm sitting here like this is the second time in a row I've almost choked up. But luckily you were talking and I didn't have to say anything at the time. I'm sitting there like I choked up in Boone's interview while he was talking. And then I had to start speaking and I couldn't quite get the words out at the time. You're sitting here talking. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I, I mean, it's just it's super informative and I'm just super grateful that you you were willing to share your side of the story because I think it's uh, impactful for anybody out there especially coaches and uh, like you said parents fathers uh, to be there no days off if you're if you're a father because you got to influence these you got to influence these young these young kids and so coach the last thing I'll, I'll leave with today is you know we want to know what's next for coach Leslie so what what do we expect to see from you in the in the near future you know, I'm going to keep coaching football. I don't know how much longer I'm going to teach, but I'm I'm writing a book called The Life in a Day, and it, it basically is uh, – I got called by my father's 15th wife to come up and help her with, with a funeral. And my dad had passed away unexpectedly of a heart attack. And I didn't really have a relationship with him, but throughout that day of throwing a funeral for him and – meeting people that had been in his life and, and and then a few other opportunities, driving by the orphanage that I was in as a young boy. Uh, a Life in a Day is a book that I'm writing right now, and I want to tie it into sort of a scenario where I'm going to be able to help coaches. I, I just want to be able to get around and see a lot of good young coaches and just tell them how important they are to the people around them. And, you know, yes, winning and losing is, you know, winning's not overrated. Winning's amazing. But since ESPN and all those things came out years ago, everybody has an opinion, you know, and, and you got to be, you got to have thick skin and you got to be able to live with yourself. Um, whether you make a mistake or whether you do something right, you got to be able to understand repentance and how you can move forward and do great things. And that's just the message I want to get out and deliver. And, and, uh, uh, I'll be happy. I look forward to doing that. Awesome, man. And we're looking forward to seeing, you know, however long you, you, you keep coaching for, we'll be cheering your programs on. And we look forward to the book as well. Whenever that gets gets published, you guys should check it out. I'll make sure to push it whenever that gets done uh, on my platforms, just because I'm honored to have had you on my show. And again, uh, Coach, I just want to say thank you so much for joining the Game Time Guru podcast. Well, privilege it's been hard to tell the Boone story but everybody needs to know Boone that kid go out of your way to get to know Boone and, and see what he's doing and I'm going to give you one quote so 
the other quote, obviously no days off, and that means mentally. You know, sometimes physically you need a rest, but mentally there's no days off. You're always thinking about how you can help the next kid. The other quote was taught to me just a couple months ago. We, we've got a, a, the worst team in, in, in the small schools up here for a few years, and then we're playing for the state championship. We're, we're scoring 48 points a game, and we're giving up 5.6 points a game. I mean, we're just killing it. We get into the state championship, and things aren't going well, but it's 7-7 in the fourth quarter. They happen to get uh, a long run on us, the only one that we gave up in 12 games the entire year. It was just crazy. We come back and battle back, and we're going to go for two. We had a play that we've been working on for six weeks. We got to the one-foot line, and we got tackled out of bounds and game over. I went for the win instead of the tie. Here's my quote. Don't ever be one yard short. You could take that in so many different ways. You know, your 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 time on this earth as a father, coaching in a football game, your relationship with your wife, all of those things. Don't ever come up a yard short. Do everything you can do to finish the job. And that's such a great opportunity for us to teach now. As much as it hurt for our kids. It's it's life. It's life. You only get one shot at it, so don't come up a yard short. Do everything you can to make sure. And if it happens, it happens. Have faith in yourself and move on. Absolutely phenomenal. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, this is Coach Lee Leslie who joined us today sharing his story, his resume, his experience as a coach, shared his story with what happened that night with Boone Bartlemay and then sharing his experience as a father, giving you the advice that you need to hear. So, again, Coach, we want to say thank you. And everybody else, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Share this with your friends and family, anyone you feel would would benefit from this story. And uh, you guys know the drill. We'll talk to you next week. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars, and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.